Now, this is week one of our brand new series that we're calling Jesus Is. And this whole series is going to be talking about Jesus. How many of you believe that's a safe series right there? And in this series, we're going to fall, we're going to focus on the character and the person and the traits of Jesus. It's going to be all about Jesus. And here's the reason why. Many people have a wrong picture of who Jesus is. We have a wrong understanding of who Jesus is. You know, we get our idea of who Jesus is from, you know, from um, tradition, from things that we were taught, from man's philosophy and opinion, sometimes from artwork. And we, we form our philosophy, we form our idea of who Jesus is. And many times it's the wrong idea. You know, Jesus wondered what his disciples thought about him. And in Matthew chapter 16 and verse 13, he asked his disciples, when he came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others say Jeremiah, or one of the other prophets. Then he asked them, but who do you say I am? And Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Now, notice what Jesus does here. First, he asks, what are the crowds saying? What are the people saying out there about me? Who are they saying I am? And so their response is, well, some of them are saying that you're Elijah, some Jeremiah. You're saying you're a prophet. Then Jesus personalizes. He says, but who do you say that I am? It's a good question, is it? Who is Jesus to you? He's, he's simply, he's simply Jesus to us in different ways, in different forms, depending on our understanding, our knowledge, our revelation of him. Isn't that right? Jesus to some people is a little bit, but Jesus to other people is a whole lot. Come on. How many of you Jesus is a whole lot to you? Amen. So the bottom line is this. What we believe about Jesus determines how we relate to Jesus and what we receive from Jesus. You know, we have a little short video that we want to show you to help drive home the point of what you believe about Jesus makes a difference in how you behave in life. Check this out. Who do you believe the person of Jesus Christ to be? That's a tough question. He's the main guy for Christianity, I guess. He's cool. Jesus Christ. Who is he to you? He's just Jesus, man. I don't know. He's just, this is a cool guy, man. He's awesome. A carpenter from 2,000 years ago. A Jew, definitely. And yeah, he was a reformer, but I don't believe him to be the Messiah at all. Now, who do you believe Jesus Christ to be? Ooh, I don't believe in Jesus Christ. I mean, I believe he existed. Um, but I believe that he might have been like a rock star, like, you know, pretty cool. Like maybe people thought he was super cool, but I don't believe in him as like a religious force. He's a person history. That's all. It's a comfy story that probably makes people feel secure. Who do I believe Jesus Christ to be? Like, what kind of question is that? Who is he to you? Is he anything to you at all? What's your thoughts? He's a religious figure. Yeah. Had, I mean, he obviously had a good 
message to send. I don't know if I, he's not my savior, but he's he was a good guy for sure. Jesus Christ to be. I think Jesus Christ pretty much is um, who you believe yourself to be. I think Jesus Christ was a magician. I mean, he studied, you know, he studied in the Far East, kind of like David Blaine, but like he had way cooler tricks. He's a dead man um, who um, had an enormous impact on the world. Right? Uh, he said a lot of wise things um, and uh, was the man of his time. He's like God that you can talk to, I guess. <laughs> yeah, God that you can talk to. I mean, when I pray, I pray. I just say, like, God, and I say, like, thank you, Jesus. But, yeah, I bet they're both kind of listening. It's kind of like conference call. <laughs> Who do you believe Jesus Christ to be? Jesus Christ? Uh, I don't know, the Savior. <laughs> Guy from history. Who is Jesus Christ? John McCain is Jesus Christ. I, I believe in the historic personage of Jesus, but I don't I don't really buy into the water and to wine. A person, a historical figure, that's it. To me, he's a guy that I guess he, he started a, a thing with some people and uh, yeah, I mean, I guess it turned into something he didn't intend and uh, you know, that sucks, but um, you know, he meant, he meant well. I think Jesus Christ is everybody. Everybody? Um, yeah. I don't know, I think everyone. I think that everyone has a little bit of Jesus in them, or God, or something like that. No, I believe in God, but I don't know who it is. I just think, I just think it, it's someone with, uh, above us. You know. Jesus Christ is, I mean, obviously a very important historical figure, but for me, that's kind of where it ends. He definitely did not die for my sins. <laughs> Maybe existed. I don't believe that he's going to save me or any of this sort, but I don't mind that other people believe that. I don't believe in Jesus Christ. I don't believe that there is such a person. I actually don't know yet. Um, it's just something that I'm still trying to figure out exactly what I believe in and what, me what it really means to me to even have a religion right now. How about that? Who is Jesus? Is he just a magician? Is he a dead man? Is he just a religious figure? Who is Jesus? Some cool guy? Man, it's amazing. Jesus is to some people a whole lot less than he really is. Isn't that right? I think some of these misconceptions about Jesus needs to be cleared up. Our theme verse for this series is 1 Corinthians 2, verse 1. And it says this, You'll remember, friends, this was Paul speaking, When I first came to you to let you in on God's master stroke, I didn't try to impress you with polished speeches and latest philosophy. I deliberately kept it plain and simple. First, Jesus and who he is. Then Jesus and what he did. Jesus crucified. Well, I think that's a good philosophy. Paul kept his message plain and simple, he said. And he said it was all about Jesus. 
It's all about who Jesus is and what Jesus did. Amen. How many of you believe that's the gospel right there? Who Jesus is and what Jesus did. That's the gospel. If you want to know what we should be teaching, what we should be learning about, who Jesus is and what Jesus did. Amen. So we're going to begin this series talking about who Jesus is. Who is Jesus? Well, let's let the Bible answer that question. Is that all right? Let's let the Bible. First of all, the scripture declares that Jesus is God. Now, hold on. Jesus is God. Some people fall down right there. They fall down right there. They have a real problem with saying that Jesus is God. They have no problem with with saying that Jesus is a great prophet. That Jesus was a, a great teacher. He was like a rabbi. And he had wise sayings. But listen, when it comes to Jesus is God, that's whenever they have trouble. They have a problem accepting Jesus as God. But how many of you know Jesus is God? Jesus is God. According to the scripture, Jesus more, he's a whole lot more than a good teacher. He's a a whole lot more than a prophet. There were lots of prophets. There were lots of teachers. According to scripture, Jesus is God. Listen what first, not first John, but John chapter one says about Jesus. John one and verse one. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and the life was the light of all people. The scripture teaches us three things about Jesus here. Number one, Jesus was the word. The Bible says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Verse 14 says, and the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. John is teaching us that Jesus is the word. Remember in Revelation, when Jesus is coming back, he's riding on the white horse. He's coming back to the earth to rule and to to reign. He's got a title on him whenever he comes back on the white horse. You know what it is? The Bible says in Revelation 19, 11, Then I saw heaven open and a white horse was standing there. Its rider was named Faithful and True. For he judges fairly and wages a righteous war. His eyes were like flames of fire, and on his head were many crowns. A name was written on him that no one understood except himself. He wore a robe dipped in blood, and his title was, what is it, saints? The Word of God. Jesus is the Word of God. No other prophet was was labeled or entitled as the Word of God. Jesus was. So the Scripture teaches us, That Jesus was the word of God. Scripture also teaches us that Jesus was with God from the very beginning. The very beginning of time. Did you know that Jesus existed before he was born in Bethlehem? Look what it says in John 1 and 1. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word was God. Verse 2. He, speaking of Jesus, was with God in the beginning. Jesus was with God in the very beginning of time. Listen what Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26 says. God said, then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Now, when God said our, he was referring to someone else beside himself, which we know to be Jesus. 
Jesus was there at the very beginning. Jesus was with God from the very beginning of time. How could he exist before the beginning of time? He was more than a carpenter's son. He was God. That's how he could exist before time began. Scripture also teaches us that Jesus is God. The scripture says, look in verse verse one. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word Jesus was God. Jesus is more than a prophet. Jesus was God. He's 100 percent man, but he was 100 percent God. Amen. And that's why verse 14 says the word became flesh. Jesus became God incarnate. It's like God stepped out of heaven and came on the earth when Jesus was born. In, in Mark chapter 1 and verse 23, remember the prophecy, the, the prophetic word of Jesus. Look, the virgin will conceive a child, the angel said. She will give birth to a son and they shall call him Emmanuel, which translated means God is with us. How many of you know God is with us? Who is Jesus? Jesus is God in the flesh. Jesus is God with us. He's more than a he's more than a good teacher. Jesus also declared himself to be God. Jesus helped Philip make the connection between he and God. In in John chapter 14 and verse 8, Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and we will be satisfied. And Jesus replied, have I been with you all this time, Philip? And yet you still don't know who I am. Couldn't that be said? Couldn't that be said true of many of us? That even though we were with Jesus, remember when the, when, when Jesus, after he just, he ascended or after he had been resurrected and he was walking and they couldn't see who Jesus was. There are people in churches that they, they, they know about Jesus, but they don't know who he is. Like Philip, don't you know who I am? Anyone who has seen me has seen the father, Jesus said. So why are you asking me to show him to you? Don't you believe that I am in the father and the father is in me? See, Jesus declared that God, the father and God, the son are inseparable. He says, if you see God, you see me. If you see me, you see God. Jesus said in John 10 30, Jesus said, the father and I are one. How many of you know that's a strong declaration? That's a strong statement. Who are you to say that you are God, that you and God are one? He had the authority to do it. He had the authority. So here's the point. When you see God, you see Jesus. When you see Jesus, you see God. So why does it matter what I believe about Jesus? Does it really matter? Does it really matter what I believe about who Jesus is, whether I just believe that he's a prophet, whether I just believe that he's a teacher, whether I just believe that that some of it's made up, that, you know, that, you know, there's a lot of error. Does that really matter? Remember when Jesus asked the disciples, who do people say that the son of man is? Remember their reply in, in verse 14 of Matthew 16? They replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah and others, Jeremiah or other prophets. Most of the people at that time, they only saw Jesus as a religious figure. But you remember? Do you remember Peter's reply? And so Jesus asked the disciples, who do you say that I am? And Peter said in verse 16, Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Now look at the next verse. 
See, Peter saw Jesus as more than a prophet. But look at the next verse, what Jesus says in verse 17. Jesus said, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Peter got a revelation. He got divine light that Jesus was more than the baby Jesus. You know, whenever people refer to Jesus as baby Jesus, listen, I'm not poking at anybody. I'm just saying you got a limited understanding of who Jesus is. Well, you got to get a picture beyond him in the manger. You got to get a picture of him riding on the white horse. Amen. You got to get a picture of him coming out of the grave. You got to get a bigger picture than Jesus in a manger. Are y'all hearing me out there? Blessed are those who understand who Jesus is. How many of you know that we're blessed if we understand the bottom line is what we believe about Jesus determines how we relate to Jesus and what we receive from Jesus. Have you ever heard somebody say this? It really doesn't matter which God you serve or which God you believe in, because all gods lead to the same place. How many of you heard that before? Is that true? I mean, does it really matter which God we serve? Because they're all going to end up at the same place. Well, it does matter which God you serve, according to the Bible. It does matter. There's three, right, three reasons why we believe what we believe about Jesus matters. And here's number one. Only Jesus can bring you into fellowship with one true God. Say, so, well, Todd, you're narrow-minded. Well, the Bible is narrow in its mindedness. Amen. And see, listen, I'm not saying that Jesus is the only one because of my opinion. My opinion really doesn't matter. Can I tell you something that our opinion, saints, really doesn't matter? Well, what I believe is. Come on. How many of you know that our opinion really doesn't matter if it's not backed up with the word of God? Amen. This is the authority of our faith right here. Not what we believe. Suppose I believe that it's okay to go killing people. Is that all right? Because I believed it. Oh, absolutely not. Only Jesus can bring you into fellowship with one true God. First John 520 says this. And we know that the son of God has come and he has given us understanding so that we can know the true God. And now we live in fellowship with the true God, because we live in fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ. He is the only true God and he is eternal life. Can you tell the Bible is narrow minded? The Bible is very narrow minded. According to the scripture, there are many false gods out there. How many of you know that? There are many false gods out there. They making up new gods every day. There are people coming on the sign and claiming, I'm a God, I'm a God. There are many false gods out there, but there's only one true God. There's one. According to Scripture, only Jesus can bring you into fellowship with the one true God. Why is it so important that we believe in Jesus to be more than a religious leader or some great teacher? Because Jesus is the only one that can bring you into fellowship with the one true God. Amen. Amen. The second reason why what we believe about Jesus matters is, number two, only Jesus can get you into heaven. 
Remember when Jesus was preparing the disciples, he was telling them about, hey, listen, I'm going to be crucified and I'm leaving. And they were very, they were very depressed about that. They were discouraged about that. They didn't want Jesus to leave. And so Jesus, to try to calm them down, to try to comfort them, he says this in John 14, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, I would have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you. When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be where I am. And you know the way where I'm going. No, we don't know, Lord, Thomas said. There's doubting Thomas. And Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth and the life. And listen, no one can come to the father except through me. No one. So listen, the day of Tyleritz, you know, hey, listen, don't don't bash everybody for what they believe. And it doesn't matter. Just as long as people believe, it's okay. Well, Jesus makes a very bold declaration here. And he says that no one can come to the Father but through me. Again, how narrow-minded of Jesus to say that no one can come to the Father but through me. How could Jesus make a declaration? Well, how many gods that you know had a virgin birth that were resurrected? How many of you know a God that can part the seas, can do the miraculous like Jesus can? Jesus is the only way to get to heaven after you die. See, why is it so important that I believe in Jesus being more than a teacher? Because he gives you the right, number one, to have fellowship with God. But number two, he gives you access. He gives you the ability to spend eternity in heaven. This is what Jesus said in Matthew seven thirteen: Enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate. And broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it. But small is the gate. And narrow is the road that leads to life. And only few find it. He says narrow is the gate. And there's a few people on it. Listen, the gate in the heaven is not for those that can have room for all kinds of gods. The gate, the narrow gate, Jesus claims. That he is that narrow gate that leads to heaven. So is it important what we believe about Jesus? Well, is it important that when we die, we go to heaven? If it's important that when you die, you get to heaven, then it's important that you believe that Jesus is God. That Jesus is more than a teacher. He's the Messiah. Amen. And so listen, the third reason why what we believe about Jesus matters is this. What we believe about Jesus is what we receive from Jesus. Do you remember when the father brought his demon-possessed son to him? And he said, can you help my son? And you remember Jesus healed him. And, and the father asked Jesus an important question. In Mark chapter 9, and verse 21, and he asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? being his son. And he said, from childhood, verse 22, it has often thrown him both into the fire and into water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you can, all things are possible to him who believes. Now, listen, here's a man that had a need. 
And he asked the question, Jesus, can you do this? The question the father asked Jesus was basically, do you have the ability to heal my son? Do you have the ability to heal somebody that's really in a bad place? I mean, this guy don't have a cold. This guy has seizures. He's, he's really, he's really in bad shape. Jesus, can you do something about this hard case? Do you have the ability to heal? And so Jesus asks, answers the question in Mark 9, 21. He asked the, his father, or uh, excuse me, uh, he says, In verse 22, verse 23. And Jesus said to him, if you can, all things are possible to him who believe. All things are possible to him who believe. You know what I believe about Jesus? Is that our limited knowledge of Jesus limits our ability to receive from Jesus. The more we know about Jesus, the more we can receive from Jesus. Now, now let me just talk to you for a moment. I know, I know that many of us receive Jesus as the Savior. How many of you receive Jesus as the Savior? How many of you know that's most important? But how many of you know Jesus is more than a Savior? How many of you know Jesus is more than a Savior? I don't know if I convinced you of it yet. Jesus is more than a Savior. And listen. What you receive from Jesus has everything to do with what you believe about Jesus. The more you believe about Jesus, the more you can receive about Jesus. This man's situation, he believed in Jesus as probably the Messiah. He actually came to him and he went to him for help. But he didn't, he wasn't sure whether Jesus was the healer. How many of you believe Jesus is the healer? So here's the point when you believe in Jesus as God. You can receive God's power. You can receive God's power. You know, I saw a stat somewhere that said that a vast majority of people that attend church, you know, America is a lot of church going people. There's a lot of people that went to church this morning in Lafayette. But do you know they say that of all the people that are attending church in Lafayette this morning, Only a small percentage of them are receiving God's power. Well, why? I mean, they're going to church. Shouldn't that be enough to receive God's power? No, it's not enough. It's not enough to believe in God's power. You got to receive God's power. Amen. How many of you know the devils believe in God's power, but it doesn't mean they receive God's power. Come on, it's not good enough for us to believe that God is powerful. We need to experience God's power. Amen. Acts chapter 1 and verse 8 says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. You say, listen, those who believe in the healing power of Jesus, those are the ones that can receive healing in their life. Those who believe in God's miraculous power are those that can receive miracles in their life. Listen, every day, God has given people miracles. Now, whether you believe it or not is not the question. The question is, do you want to experience God's power? Because today, in 2014, on March the 2nd, God is is releasing miracles all across the world. 
And the people that are receiving the the miraculous, the miracles of God, are those who believe in the miracle working power of God. Amen? Come on, how many of you believe in the miracle working power of God? Remember when the blind man who received his sight, he received God's healing's power. And the religious leaders asked him about his belief in Jesus. And listen to what they say. John chapter 19 and verse 17. Then the Pharisees again questioned the man who had been blind and demanded, what's your opinion about this man who healed you? Come on, give us a report. Tell us what you think about Jesus. Verse 24 and 25. So for the second time, they called in the man who had been blind. He had been blind. He's no longer blind. God should get the glory for this because we know this man, Jesus, is a sinner. That was their estimation of Jesus. Verse 25, the blind man said, I don't know whether he's a sinner. The man replied, but I know this. I was blind and now I see. You could say, I don't know if he's a sinner. That's for you to figure out. But all I'm telling you is I went to Jesus and I believed in Jesus and Jesus' power came on me and I was blind before and after I received the power of God, I can see. That's all I can tell you is God's power gives you the ability to see. Amen. Come on, how many of you know the blind man received Jesus' power? Because he believed in Jesus' power. Are y'all tracking with me yet this morning? God's power. I have a question for you. Have you experienced God's power? Do you believe in God's power? Can I encourage you? Believe in God's power. Expect us to, to experience God's power. And I believe you can experience God's power. Come on. Don't settle for a little bitty God that you can put in your back pocket. Come on. Don't keep Jesus in the manger. He grew up. Come on. He grew up. How many of you know Jesus grew up? Amen. When you believe in Jesus as God, number two, you can experience God's presence. Not only can you experience God's power, you can experience God's presence. Uh, There's nothing more life changing than the presence of God. The presence of God in the believer's life is like oxygen to the soul. And to see if there's one thing as pastor a family life church, that I can encourage you, saints, that I can encourage you, man and woman of God. Don't settle for attending church. Don't settle for simply showing up at church. I'm telling you, that's like sewing up the veil that was rent when Jesus died on the cross. Come on, that's like continuing to serve a dead God, whenever there's a living one standing right next to it. Amen. Come on, how many of you know the presence of God is available to those who believe in the presence of God? You know, listen, God's presence is mighty. Amen. Listen, first Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 24 and 25 says, but if all of you are prophesying and unbelievers are people who don't understand these things come into your meeting, they will be convicted of sin and judged by what you say. By the way, if you're prophesying, it's evidence that the presence of God is in the room. Verse 25, as they listen, their secret thoughts will be exposed and they will fall to their knees and worship God, declaring God is truly 
here among you. God is true. How many of you know God is truly here among us? Amen. You know, I love whenever I talk to people and there was a first time that I talked to a lady a a few, uh, maybe a month ago, and she came and introduced herself to me. And she said, Pastor Todd, this is the first time I've been in church other than weddings and funerals. I've never been to church. And I was looking on the Internet, saw y'all Internet, uh, saw y'all website and decided to come. And she came and we talked about the fear, fear that Sunday. Remember that message on fear? And so then she came back the next Sunday and uh, I forgot what we talked about. Uh, <laughs> we talked about God. I know that it was about God. I know it was. But anyway, the, the point of it is she got saved. She got saved. The second time she showed up at church. And so I was talking to her after she got saved. And she said, I've never felt this way. I feel a presence in my life. I never get tired of hearing that. Because God's presence is real. Don't sew up the presence of God in your mind or your understanding or your philosophy of who Jesus is. Come on, rip that Rip that veil of your understanding. Open your heart to the presence of God. Because the presence of God is real. Amen. I love whenever I talk to people and, 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 uh, and, and they say, it's a, you know, they were here the first time and they say, I felt something. I felt a warmth. I felt comfortable. I felt, and they use these words. And I really know what they're, I really know what they're trying to explain. I believe they're trying to say, I felt the presence of God. You see, listen, without the presence of God, all we are is a religious country club. Amen. See, that's why we have intercessors that pray every Sunday. During service. Because we're desperate for God. We're desperate for the presence of God. We got to have the presence of God. See, why would anybody in their right mind want to get up early enough to be at church at 5.30 on Monday morning and then come back on Sunday, on Tuesday, on Mardi Gras day of all days, and then again Wednesday morning? Why? The reason is we need the presence of God. The Bible says In the presence of God, mountains melt like wax. There is nothing better than the presence of God. You can have religion. I want the presence. Amen. Come on, are y'all out there? Am I talking to the right crowd this morning? Amen. Moses was desperate for the presence of God. When the Lord called him and said, Moses, lead this nation of people out of Egypt into the promised land. Moses said, okay, Lord, I'll go. But hey, listen, if you want me to do that, I need your presence. I need your presence. In Exodus 33, verse 13, now therefore I pray you, if I have found favor in your sight, let me know your ways that I may know you so that I may find favor in your sight. Consider too that this nation is your people. And he said, my presence shall go with you and I will give you rest. How many of you know when you have the presence of God in your life, you're going to have rest in your life. 
I need to say that again because somebody in this room needs to hear this. When the presence of God comes into your life, stress goes out of your life. Anxiety goes out of your life. Worry goes out of your life. Fear goes out of your life. The presence of God is the anointing of God that breaks the yoke of stress. Amen. Verse 15. Then he said to him, this is Moses. If your presence does not go with us, do not lead us up from here. Moses said, I ain't going unless your presence comes. I'm not about to take this plunge of taking this people, your people, a bunch of obstinate people. I know them. They're just like me. I ain't going to lead them into the promised land unless you give me the grace of your presence. Come on, how many of you know you shouldn't take the journey of life without his presence? Come on, are y'all with me? So let me just stop a moment to say the presence of God. Listen, sometimes whenever we pray, it's a one-sided conversation. It's an email. God, this is what I need. And this is what I want. And this is what I want. And we never take time to hear the reply. Listen, prayer is fellowship. Prayer is you talking to God, God talking to you. You know what I found? The most quality times in the presence of God is whenever you take your little shopping list and you fold it up and you put it in your Bible and you put it on the coffee table and you close your eyes and you get into the secret place and you just open up your heart and say, God, I'm desperately needing your presence today. Amen. And God's presence comes. Now, let me say one more thing about the presence of God. I believe the quickest way into the presence of God is in worship. It's in worship. If you gave me a choice whether we could shorten the service, you know, we could be here a lot shorter, Ty. Let's just cut out all the music. You can have the church. I I make no bones about it. To me, there is nothing like worship that brings you into the presence of God. Amen. Nothing like it. And listen. Yeah. Amen. And you say, yeah, but you don't need music to worship. That's true. Whenever you put a tithe in that box, that's worship. What I'm telling you, whenever you sing to God, accompanied with musical instruments, there's something designed by God in that that ushers you into the presence of God. Amen. And I believe whenever you get by yourself, if you will just simply Find you a song. I mean, most of us know at least a few words of Amazing Grace. Close your eyes and sing all the words you know of Amazing Grace. And I'm telling you, God does not get tired of hearing the lyrics to Amazing Grace. God does not get tired of hearing those words ringing in heaven's quarter. Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound. That saved a wretch like me. Amen? And whenever you worship God, the presence of God will fill your life. We need to be desperate for the presence of God like Moses and say, God, I can't make it this week without your presence. Are you all with me? And finally, when you believe in Jesus as God, you can experience salvation. Saved from the wrath to come. How many of you know there's wrath coming? 
One day the trumpet's going to sound and the, and the man on the white horse, he's judge. He's the righteous judge. He's coming to judge. He's coming to make war with the adversary against him and his kingdom. Amen. And the Bible says we're all going to have to give an account. We're all going to have to answer for our life. And those that have received him as savior are going to be saved from the judgment and the wrath to come. In Romans 10 and 9, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. And it is by confessing with your mouth that you are saved. What do you believe about Jesus? Is he your savior? Is he your Lord? Or is he a teacher? If you want to go to heaven, come on, get past him being in the crib. Get past him being a prophet, although he was. Get past him being a teacher, although he was. Receive him and accept him as the savior. And you get a chance, my friend, when you breathe your last on this side to experience eternity on the other side. Amen? Amen. Would you stand with me? Let's close in prayer. Let's just take a moment. Just close your eyes for a moment. Just make a secret place right there where you are. Let's just let's just take a moment right now. Who is Jesus to you? Let, let me just try to help you just kind of just make application here. Where are you right now in your life? What's the predominant thought? What's the predominant emotion? What's weighing heavily on your life? Would you just take that situation, that circumstance that you're living in, that you're in? Would you allow Jesus to come in the midst of that circumstance? Maybe for some of you, Jesus needs to be your healer this morning. Maybe for some of you, Jesus needs to be your peace. You can't even sit down in your house and rest because you're in so much turmoil. And Jesus wants to come to you and be your peace. Come on, let's enlarge who Jesus is in our life today. Maybe for some of you, you need God's power. You're weak. You're discouraged. And you need God's power. Just close your eyes a minute and just say, God, I need your power. Jesus, I believe you're my power. Come on, maybe you've been attending church for a while, but you haven't experienced His presence. Come on, take a moment this morning before you leave here and just experience His presence. Just worship Him. Just say, Jesus. All you have to say is, Jesus. Can we say that, saints? Jesus. Now, come on, don't just say the word, but say it as worship. Jesus. Jesus. We love you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, let's take a moment to experience God today. Come on, some of you. Come on, some of you need to experience His presence today. Some of you need to experience His power today. Come on, some of you need to experience His, uh, you need to encounter the Lord today. Come on, let's, come on, let's, let's allow Jesus to be Jesus in our life. He's God. Come on, let's let Jesus be God in our life. He's the great I am today. Let Him come and manifest Himself in our life today. 
Now you might be here today and you say, Todd, I don't know that if I die, if I'm going to heaven, I don't know that I've received Jesus as Savior. I don't know that I've received Jesus as Lord. I don't know if I'm gonna, if I'm in the narrow way. I don't know if I get to go to heaven when I die. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth and the life. If you hear today and say, Todd, I need to be saved. I need to be born again. Would you pray for me? I want you to just lift, lift your hands high. Lift your hands high, ma'am. I see your hands. Anybody else? Come on. Just lift your hands. Lift your hands high. Lift your hands. Come on. Be bold. Be bold. Lift them high. Wave them at me and say, Todd, I want to be saved. I want to be born again. Anybody else? Anybody else? Come on. Those of you that have your hands raised, come on, just wave them at me. And I want you to just pray this prayer from your heart. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe that you're my Savior. I believe that you are God. I believe you died for my sins so that I could be saved. Jesus, I ask you to forgive my sins. Wash my heart. Come into my life and fill me with your spirit. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for accepting me in your family. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Now listen, Romans 10 and 9 says, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, if you did that, I want you to do one other thing. I want you to do one more thing. Pastor Brandon, would you come? Pastor Brandon is going to be right here. I want you to come. Listen, those of you that raised your hand and pray that prayer, come to Pastor Brandon and wait till he can talk to you and say, I prayed that prayer at the end to receive Jesus. We got a gift for you. We want to know about it. We, I want to get your name because Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, we're going to pray for you. Amen. We're going to pray God's going to move in your life and he's, you're going to experience his power like never before. How many of you glad that you believe in Jesus? Jesus as God. How many of you believe that? Come on, let's give him a good ovation of praise. Let's give him good ovation of praise this morning. Jesus, we love you. We bless you, God. We praise you, Father. In Jesus' name.